Welcome to uh, Adventist Voices, and I want to extend a special welcome to Daniela Jean for joining me. Uh, she is the CEO of Arts at Work. Uh, she works in risk management at the city of North Miami. Um, she has a, received awards from uh, the Haitian American Chamber of Commerce. She's been on the executive uh, board for Florida Conference. Um, she won a 2019 Women of Worth Award and many other things. Um, so I'm really uh, excited to uh, converse with you about all the things that you're doing, including the book that you have written. So uh, welcome. Thank you. So I met you at the um, Adventist for Social Justice Conference in Atlanta. And um, I just wanted to kind of uh, get to know you better and um, share you your interests with the Spectrum community by asking you what brought you to the that conference. Okay, well, what brought me to the conference was curiosity. I've never been to any social justice conference. So I was pretty much an amateur, if you will, and I wanted to kind of find out what it was. So for me, it was like an intro to social justice. I've always been someone interested in the community and interested also in community affairs and things that affect us as a people. And so I found it intriguing, the concept. And so I, that was just me being adventurous and trying to learn more. That's great. So some of the work that you do uh, connects with um, Adventist churches, and I saw that you recently uh, spoke um, at a, the uh, South Atlantic Conference uh, Young Adult Seminar. So you're active in Adventist circles. Can you talk a little bit about um, your connection to Adventism? Did you grow up Adventist? Yes, yeah, so actually, my parents met in church at Adventist Church and in Haiti. Classic. <laughs> yeah, and then they moved to France. So, and that's where I was born. And so I was born into the faith. So I, I was baptized when I was about eight years old. Eight years old, I was baptized. And ever since then, I've kind of had this pathway to ministry. And so started a sign language ministry when I was 15 did a lot of work with the Florida Conference with that. I sat on the executive committee for the Florida Conference for three years. So I've, I've been immersed basically in Adventism uh, for all my life, all my life. So it's, um, it's, it's a lifestyle for me. Can you talk a little bit about for folks who haven't grown up like me in the Haitian Adventist uh, community, uh, what's, what's that like? Uh, it's fun. <laughs> Obviously, you know, it adds a little bit more flavor. You have the culture and the language. So I grew up speaking French and learned Haitian Creole when I got to Miami. So obviously you're speaking in your parents, your your native tongue. So it's, it's, it's a different element. Um, but I did grow up in a very um, conservative Adventist home. Uh, however, just being Haitian and that culture definitely was infused into my faith. So there was never a dull moment. I guess you can put it that way. That's great. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like coming to America and sort of navigating that um experience? Sure. So um, definitely a culture shock. 
having to learn English <laughs> as my second language. Uh, so definitely a culture shock and American culture and obviously European culture is, is totally different. But I do find that um, we went back to France a couple last year, actually, for the first time since we got to the States. And American, American Adventism is more free than uh, European Adventism. And so the freedom in worship, just the style, the different various styles of worship that you find here in in America is totally, we, ha- we are definitely blessed um, to have a variety of, of ways to worship. And so um, for me, growing up Adventist here in, in, in um, South Florida and then going back to France and experiencing that as an adult, it was definitely different. But um, since I basically grew up here, I consider myself an American, Haitian <laughs> American. Yeah. Uh, great. Well, can you can you give me a specific example of that freedom that you're talking about? Right. For example, well, South Florida is a good example of that, where there are so many different cultures represented here. And as I mentioned before, uh, when you worship Christ. Your, your culture plays a big part in that. And so you can go to a church here where it's traditional hymns and you can go to a church where it's more contemporary. You can find that in whatever style of worship that you feel more comfortable or more free in, there's variety. And when we went back, it was so traditional. Um, only hymns, the French hymns from the hymnal that we grew up with, uh, it was just very traditional. And so um, because... We believe that American culture is more secular than European culture, but European culture is very secular. And so the Adventist church is basically preserved in its purest form in um, in France. So, yeah, definitely. That was the experience that I had when we visited. So here in the States, you have so much variety um, even if we are a faith that is pretty traditional in, in, in how we observe our, our different beliefs, but you would be surprised. You would definitely be surprised. And it was a surprise to me. That's great. Um, you know, folks, sometimes it's, you know, in some Adventist circles, especially conservative Adventist circles, um, but also sometimes we have um, church leaders who talk about um, different worship styles, including, you know, drums in church um, as um, not as say pure to use your word and i wonder as someone who has experienced both and definitely uh, prefers a kind of vibrant uh adventist worship experience what it what it feels like when somebody attacks that well i feel like you know the word attack is not it i don't want to say it's not of god <laughs> but it's, it's, we all have a variety of, of opinions and we have free will and so you know when someone says that a, sp- a specific form of worship is not, you know, it's not as close to the biblical standards as it should be. I'm not going to say it should be a difference of opinions because God is still a God of order. Um, but for me, it's, it's, it's based on your personal experience of Christ, you know, um, and it's not to say that, you know, heavy metal or classical, all those things have different roots that are not necessarily biblical as it relates to, you know, forms of music. Um, but, for me, if someone attacks me about that, I'm going to pray about it because, you know, being in ministry for so long, some things you just can't take personal. A lot of things are spiritual. So, you know, I feel like as long as 
the spirit is convicting you that you may need to assess your worship style, then people are, should be free to share their opinion. Now, the word attack, you know, <laughs> that's a little different. But I think that even if we have different opinions, different opinions in how we see worship and how uh, at the end of the day, God wants a pure worship from the heart. So even though we might... Um, not agree about the methods in which we do it, we can still have a civil conversation without having to, you know, hammer each other down. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. That's great. Well, let's talk about one of the things that you do that connects with um, kind of ministry and the arts. Um, describe what Hands at Work for Christ uh, Sign Language Troop uh, does and is. Okay, so back in 2001, uh, I started, a friend of mine and I started a group called Hands at Work for Christ, as you mentioned, and it's a sign language ministry. So I, uh, my sister took American Sign Language as her foreign language, and she would teach me some signs. And I saw a group early on when I was a kid and that kind of inspired me. I've always had a passion for music. And so everything just kind of came together. So I would basically teach kids in the community uh, basic sign language. And then we would then translate songs, whatever genre of music, and we would go and minister to sometimes the deaf, sometimes the hearing. So it was basically a community organization that started way back when, and we basically inspired people through the power of music and adding it to, adding the sign language element, basically interpreting the song um, through American Sign Language. So that's what that, uh, in a nutshell, that's what that is. That's great. What is the experience like for you having done this for so long? It's always new because, you know, when I when I minister, I always feel very spirit led. So I actually recently did a workshop uh, this past weekend, an AY presentation called Art in Life, where I kind of talked about my journey through ministry, had the opportunity to minister a couple songs. So for me, it's, you know, it's like a worship experience. Um, basically, I can minister to the deaf and the hearing part is uh, just basically an expression of worship. So it's like the best of both worlds. Okay. Uh, how many people participate in that with you? Uh, from from 2001, I think I've, I've actually mentored over 200 youth. Currently, we had our 18th anniversary concert and I have about 15 uh, youth and young adults in this ministry right now. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Let's talk about your uh, book, um, because it sounds like you're really involved in a lot of different things. Uh, your book is called Live Your Worth, How to Maximize Your Value and Optimize Your Greatness in Every Area of Your Life, which is a, a great subtitle. Um, can you describe your book uh, briefly? Okay, so... Live your worth. It's kind, it sounds kind of weird because we, we're so used or accustomed to hearing know your worth. And basically, as children of God, we hear, you know, you're a chosen generation of royal priesthood. We know that we're royalty because Christ is a, the king of kings. But oftentimes, as people, we are kind of shy and reserved to live our life in different areas. So there might be one area that you're super you, you excel in and there might be another area where you're kind of weak, not weak but you feel weak or you feel like not as strong and so the premise of the book is not only knowing who you are but also having the courage to live that to live out loud all the all the value that you have within yourself and so it's kind of a journey through self-worth 
um, self-esteem or like I like to call it God esteem and um, Godfidence, you know, mm-hmm. seeing yourself through the lens that Christ how Christ sees you and knowing that you can do all things through Christ. That's great. What led you to um, uh, writing this book? My biggest um, inspiration was just my journey through self-esteem and building my confidence in Christ. Um, When you're a talented person, especially in the church, if you have a talent that's palpable, such as singing or preaching, or you can work the tech team, oftentimes you are, um, the church wants you to utilize your gifts for the, for the, the movement and the mission but as a person as your as a character or your character you might be lacking certain things that people don't necessarily see and so for me I talk about my journey through self-esteem my experience with um, growing up on emotional abuse and some sense of depression that I've had so it's it's basically that that other side of a talented person quote unquote you are gifted uh, as a person in your talents but there's a lot of things within yourself that no one sees and that are lacking or that are deficient but because you are talented oftentimes those things are overlooked so it was basically the people know the public side of me and knowing that, oh, Daniela is so talented. She's gifted. She's amazing. <laughs> but they didn't know the other side of all the other um, struggles that I that I had and that I camouflaged pretty well. So do you talk about some of those struggles in the book? I do talk about <clears throat> most of those struggles in the book. Definitely. Yes. That's great. Um, thanks for being so open. It's always, I think, helpful within um, at the Adventist world for folks to be vulnerable, as scary as that can be. Right. Sounds to me like you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the church has a couple of talents that it really understands, um, but it doesn't always, uh, um, it's not good at kind of finding um, the kind of connecting with the larger talented population. I can think of, you know, visual artists uh, in my own experience teaching in a college that um, students who are really talented in the visual arts don't really feel like they have a place in the church because they're not really into public speaking or they're not really great at doing public prayer or singing. Um, so that's an example. Um, I'm yeah. just curious about your experience. Yes. Um, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, some, some gifts are, are visible and therefore, you know, they're more understood, like you mentioned, kind of, um, but being a creative person, being a creative, oftentimes it feels like, you know, my creativity is not as appreciated by the church <laughs> as it should be. So some ideas, whether if it's an idea that's not so uh, conforming or whatnot, it's shunned, you know, and so there's a lot of things that about me that I, I could, yeah, I can sing, I can preach, I can more than likely pray, but there's so many other talents that I have that I'm not really sure the church is ready to receive them because they're so not the norm. And so what happens, well, not to me per se, but I know that a lot of people just take their gifts to the world where as these particular giftings can be used in the church to reach the masses or reach a demographics of people that maybe the church has not yet been able to reach. So um, at my church, we have, for example, in um, an art therapy 
Well, we have a local artist. She's an artist and she basically has a, a therapy session through art. And so there's a lot of th- methods that we could use um, through people's giftings and we haven't yet figured out how we can. Like, I love to write. Um, writing comes so easy to me, but some churches don't have a newspaper or a, a blog or something like that where people can express their creativity and, and read souls. Yeah, that's that's great. Can you talk a little bit about your uh, nonprofit, Arts at Work? Yeah, so Arts at Work kind of stemmed, um, was a spinoff from Hands at Work for Christ. And uh, my sister and I started a Christian pop-up inspirational night <laughs> called Java, which stood for, which stands for a Jesus approved vibe and atmosphere. And basically what we do there is have different artists, local artists, singers, musicians, visual artists come in and we basically just have a good time. And it's just a, an alternative to a lot of things happening. Obviously Miami is a, is a hot spot for all kinds of things. And so I kind of brought everything together, the, the poetry night, uh, hands out for Christ, the writing part, and just basically servicing the community and, and having a place where artists can express themselves. And it's inspirational. It's Christ-based. It's Christ so um, this is year three, and we're looking to expand it. Obviously, working at, working at eight to five and then having all kind of ministry responsibilities. I'm a young adult leader at my church. So there's so many things that I'm doing all at once. Uh, so arts at work is definitely something like if I were to up and quit my job, <laughs> that would probably be like my life's mission to just be able to allow people to be creative and inspirational and bring people to Christ. So, yeah, we haven't even talked about your day job, which you're, you work for the city of North Miami and risk management. And you're also um, on the, the Miami date commission for women. Yes. Um, so it's amazing that you squeeze all these uh, activities into your uh, life and your day and evening. It sounds like, <laughs> yeah. um, how do you do it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a balancing act and, you know, to who much is given much is required. So I know that I'm built differently than a lot of other people. So when people see me on the go all the time, they're like, we don't want you to burn out. But you know, self-care is important when you're when you're balancing so many things because they, they say that if the if the gift or if the person that holds the gift goes down, then the you know everything goes down with the sh- with the ship. So it's a balancing act for me. I can't always do everything to to the you know, perfection as I would want to do it, but I do my best at balancing it all out. And obviously, self-care, prayer, trying to stay um, being a young adult ish <laughs> staying sane and everything and work, working on your personal life it's definitely a balancing act and yeah it's a balancing act um can you talk about kind of what what uh the java cafe feels like like what's the vibe or the energy there um on a night yeah well on a regular night what's interesting about it is it's a pop-up so you know, whenever we can have uh, get the funds together to rent a spot, and obviously we have like mocktails, <laughs> we have um, uh, appetizers, veggie burgers, we have the the dim lights, we have the band, we have the musicians. So you know, it's it's a groovy atmosphere. 
for lack of a better term. But, you know, when you have um, artists, Christian artists, poets who who come in and it's just a great, it's just an awesome atmosphere. The last one that we had, we actually had a panel. Uh, it was the poetry, the arts, and also a panel discussion on when when men open up. So it was really, really interactive, and it was a great time. So it's a really groovy, um, positive atmosphere. And how many people are kind of showing up for those? We've had a, at, at least 70 people. Usually we average about 40 to 50 people. Um, per you know per evening when we have it, and so the last one we had about sixty people that showed up. So it's a pretty good turnout. Yeah, that sounds like there's a lot of fun social energy. Oh yeah. So do you get your do you get energy from being around people, or is that draining for you? Um, <laughs> I'm a, well, I'm quote unquote an introvert. Um, ambivert, if you really want to be fancy, you know, I, I can't, I've, I've learned to adapt extroverted qualities, but at my core, being in a, being in a monks, I'm not like the life of the party per se, you know, I'm that person that's usually off to a corner and they're like, she's the talented person, but you would never guess it. So being around too many people at once does drain me, but I've come to understand that I have to find other ways to cope. So obviously people are going to want to be around you and people are going to want to feel the energy that you're exuding, but I, I have to balance it. I'm not the person that's going to be <laughs> the life of the party. I'm going to be that wallflower more than, li- more than likely. Great. Kind of moving towards uh, uh, wrapping our conversation up. I, I'm curious, you kind of hinted at the growth of, of your, you know, um, the success and growth of the nonprofit and this um, idea. And obviously your book is out there and you've uh, gone out and, and spoken on its topics. I'm kind of curious how that connects in with um your connection to the Adventist community. Do you see your work kind of trying to help people see that there are more possibilities in um, this community? Definitely. um, Death for sure. I feel, I believe and I've seen the effects of my ministry throughout the years that people are like, if Daniela can do it, I know I can do it too. And just a prime example of that is when I uh, became a young adult leader and prior, this was 20, 2018. And prior to that, I was taking a sabbatical. I was just kind of, I didn't want any church positions. I just wanted to come to church and all the other community based things that I did, I did uh, until they were like, Daniela, you, you've been doing all this community stuff, you know, come and see if you can be the young adult leader. And I was like, yeah, I don't really want to do it, but I said, okay, I want to do it. And, we went from having about 20 young adults to a hundred and in a matter of 12 months. And, um, from that, so many people have been able to kind of deeper connect themselves within the church and start different ministries and start small groups. So I would definitely say that I've seen how my ministry and just my life has kind of like ignited a lot of people to kind of cling to Christ a little bit more. And, you know, the whole Advent message to really kind of hone in their faith. So, yes, I've seen that. And my goal is is always to lead people to Christ 
I hope I'm a good example. <laughs> well, you, you just never know these things until you see, you know, people bearing fruit. Um, through maybe it's through my vine, I don't know, and then the ultimate vine and whatnot, and the ultimate vine is Christ. But you know, at the end of the day, I have seen how people are still energized about coming to church because they feel more, more of a sense of community. That's great. Can you say there's somebody out there listening to this? Um, this will be my last question. And and they're sort of, you know, maybe where you were at a little while ago, um, kind of doing stuff uh, in, you know, that inspires them outside of, of Adventism and then just sort of coming to church and, and um, maybe they have some creative ideas. Uh, they just don't know how to implement it. What advice would you give that person? I would say, um, number one, don't give up. Uh, it's easier said than done, but it's definitely doable. You, you have to not be afraid to step on people's toes because at the end of the day, Christ has given you these particular gifts and talents and they're not going to be, they're not there to please everyone. They're there to draw a specific person or a group of people to him. So be brave, be bold, um, find people of like mind who love Christ and who are willing to help you uh, blaze a, a new a new trail if need be. Um, but definitely don't be afraid because I feel like a lot of times we function out of fear and just not knowing what's step one, what how to do things the right way, quote unquote. Um, but you have to just get started and get your feet wet. And also, you know, the outside community the difference between if you want to put them, if you want to put, use the word them and us, quote unquote, um, is that the love of Christ is the love of Christ that we have. And that love of Christ needs to be felt by the world. And so in order for us to bridge that gap, we have to be able to profess our love for Christ and also tie that in with our giftings. So I would say just be bold and, and find like-minded people to just blaze a trail with. Great. I like that. People don't be afraid to step on um, Where can people um, pick up your book? It's on Amazon. And like I like to say, it's in the back of my car, the trunk of my car. <laughs> but it's definitely on Amazon. So Live Your Worth and Daniela Jean or Daniela Jean, whichever way you want to pronounce it. Um, but Amazon would definitely be, be the best and fastest way to get the book. Okay, well, thank you very much for uh, talking with me today. I really enjoyed I enjoyed it. it too. It was great. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Yes, I knew Sister White.